0: Well, as you're probably aware, today starts our Family Sunday series. Uh, We have this each year Uh, in the summer. It's where the kids come out, come and and join us here in the sanctuary. The sermons are usually a little more geared uh, for the kids to be present. Uh, Overall, maybe just a little bit more relaxed uh, in nature. So, you know, today we'll see a few video clips. I'm sure at some point you'll be hit by candy, um, (laughs) if you haven't already. And uh, who knows what else might happen. So we just want to give you a little bit of a heads up, maybe a different format as we go through the summer. And we definitely want to welcome all the kids into the sanctuary with us to worship God and study uh, God's word together. Uh, As we start this series, uh, it's going to involve a lot of the book of Acts. We're going to be staying in the book of Acts. As you can see, the title is A Worldwide Revolution. And you can see the tagline, How God Uses Ordinary People to Advance his kingdom. And so, this worldwide revolution is starting about how the small group, followers of Jesus, went out into the world, spread this message, and this kingdom continued to grow and grow until it's now filled the entire world. There's followers everywhere. And it kind of reminds you of Daniel, you know, passages like Daniel 2. You've got this statue. It's representing these kingdoms of the world. This rock comes, smashes it, and it's like a mountain that fills the entire earth. Start small grows and fills the whole earth. Same thing, Matthew 13. You got this mustard seed Jesus talks about, extremely small, and yet it grows and into a, a big tree, That this large tree that birds of the air come and take refuge in it. Uh, again, starts small and grows. And then, of course, in Acts 1, Jesus says, you will be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So this worldwide revolution, it starts small, it has a beginning, and then it grows. And so we're going to be talking about that beginning, Uh, in Acts. In Acts chapter 1, of course, you have Jesus rise from the dead. He then ascends into heaven. Acts chapter 2, he sends the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, or the Feast of Weeks, and the church begins. The Holy Spirit begins in dwelling believers. Today, we're going to be in Acts 3. So we're still at the start. And this whole series, we're going to be looking at how God used people greatly by his, the power of his spirit to advance this kingdom. And therefore, if we also abide in him and let his spirit work through us, he will use us greatly as well. Just like the examples we'll, we'll see in Acts. But let's start by watching a video clip of the first 10 verses of Acts.
1: One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon.
2: Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk.
1: Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. with them into the temple courts walking and jumping and praising god when all the people saw him walking and praising god they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called beautiful and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him
0: all right so there's the first 10 verses, as you noticed, it said 3 p.m. Um, in the Jewish way of reckoning the day, the day began at 6 a.m., and so when it says the ninth hour, that would be 3 p.m., uh, that this was taking place. And it says that this man was lame from birth. So he had not walked a single day in his entire life. Every single day of his whole life, he just sat on, on the ground, and he watched as other people walked around him. And when you read something like that, it, sh- it should, I think to some extent, make us grateful and thankful for what we are able to do. Um, I know, you know, kids, a lot of you, and I'm, sh- I'm sure because I remember when I was a kid, you probably think, man, I wish I, was a- I could run a little bit faster. I'd be the fastest one in my grade or whatever. But just to be able to run, we should be thankful for that. Or maybe we wish, oh, I wish I was taller be nice to be bigger, taller than what I am. I'm too, too short. Just to be able to stand. I mean, that itself we should be thankful for. Or adults. I mean, it'd be nice. I think some of us wish we could go for more evening walks, had more time for that, or, or go on more hikes. But just to walk itself, I think, is something that we often can very easily take for granted um, and we should be thankful for. Then it says that they laid him at the gate of the temple every day. Why do you think that it was at that specific location every day? I mean, why not another location? Or why not, you know, mix it up? Sometimes there, sometimes other place. You know, give them a different view. And I think that probably the reason is because that was where the people of God were going to worship God. I mean, to set them there, that's the crowd that was going to worship God. And everyone knows that God says to give to the poor. And so that should have been the most giving crowd anywhere around. So the perfect spot to put them. And that also is kind of a, a thing for us to think about that, you know, here we are, we're the people of God. We believe in him, we follow him. We've come here to the church this morning to worship him, just like they were going up to the temple to worship. And, you know, would it be true if someone was to say of you and I, you know, those people are, they're the most, giving and generous people that I know. You go to anyone at Whitestone, you have a genuine need, you go to anyone there and they will help you if you can, if they can. I mean that would be a great thing to have said about us as a church and also as individuals. Proverbs 14:31 it says whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. Proverbs 21:13 whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. And in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. So it's very important that we as people of God be generous. Then in verses 3 to 5, it says that Peter directed his gaze at him as did John, which that itself, I think, shows compassion because most of the people, I'm sure, they never even looked at this guy, walking by him all the time, even those who gave him, you know, some change, some coins, I'm sure they just kind of tossed it in his direction and just kept walking without even giving him a look. I mean, there's no way he was pleasant to look at. He was crippled. He's poor. I'm sure he was dirty. He was unkept because of his condition but here's something to keep in mind is that it's not just that the handicapped can't do what most people can, but that they also are treated differently because they can't do what other people can. And so it's this double dose that they go through or even more. They're not like everyone else. And so people don't treat them like everyone else they do. So it's extra suffering. And it's all the more reason why people like this don't only need a hand at times, but some human interaction, some human attention. Because they often don't get even that. Someone who cares actually a little bit about them, not just in doing something for them. And that was Peter and John. They treated this man like he was created in the image of God, just like everyone else. And it, as you can see, it says they stopped and they gave him all their attention. Then verses six and seven, you can see that line, but what I do have, I give to you. I don't have the silver and the gold, but what I do have, I give to you. And this is one of the, the main points, if possible, I want to draw out from this story. Because a lot of us think, you know what, there's just not a whole lot I can do. You know, I can't give thousands to our church's work in Malawi um, or Mexico. I can't give a whole lot of food to the hungry. I can't, I don't have the means or the skills to build homes for the homeless. So we just think, you know what, there's not a whole lot that I can do. But here you have two guys, Peter and John, who couldn't even pull together two coins to give to this man. They had none. That's what they said. I'm sure if they had changed, if they had something to get, they would have. But he says, silver and gold, I have none. So they literally had nothing. That is no money. But they realized that what they did have was of far more value than what this man was asking for. They had a relationship with Christ and they had the power of the Holy Spirit with them. And all they had to do was to ask God in that moment, what do you want us to do? And then listen, and that's what they did. And God used them in that moment to heal this man of his handicaps. But this is important to notice because on the one hand, yes, absolutely, we should be generous with whatever we have. Like it says in James 2, 15 and 16, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? If we have something to share with someone who is in need, absolutely, uh, we should be generous and ready, uh, ready to share. But we also have to realize that sharing money or material things is ultimately just a means to an end. The end is Christ. That's everyone's ultimate need is Christ. And so everything should be moving in that direction, pointing to him. All As believers, we all have a relationship with Christ. We all have the Holy Spirit us. We all have the truth. And so we cannot say, you know, this I don't have. We have this and we can share this. And so when we see a need, I think maybe instead of immediately looking at it, what can I figure out what I can do, maybe a better habit or a better reaction would be to stop and ask God, Lord, what, what would you have me do in this situation? Do you want me to give? Or do, do you, how can I share you with them? And then listen and, and do whatever God says. Give to the needy, but always remember their ultimate need is Jesus Christ. That's something we all have, but we need God's help to meet that need. Then in verses eight to 10, since says that the man was walking and leaping and praising God. I mean, it's a pretty cool scene, and just to imagine what that would have been like, it would have been incredible. Walking, leaping, and praying. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure that this man wouldn't have been so excited and celebrating physically, he couldn't, but he wouldn't have had such joy in being overwhelmed if Peter and John had just given him what he asked for. It was specifically what they did in the name of Jesus Christ. It's because Peter and John looked past what he was asking for and saw a greater need that he had. And then they looked to God for the power to meet it and to help the man. And I think this is something we need to realize is that when we allow Christ to live through us, people's lives can be dramatically changed. It may not be a miraculous healing like this, but it will be something where God will use us, where the people, that person will just praise and worship God and be overwhelmed by his goodness. That is not at all unique to this story in Acts chapter three. That happens all the time. For example, and this just happened recently. Some of you know I was a missionary in India for seven years. And recently there was a friend of mine from India who contacted me and needed me to just pass along some funds to her because she was going to have this VBS program in a village nearby. And then she wasn't able, she unfortunately wasn't able to contact the donor. And so there's no way to get this to her and the VBS program started the next day. So I felt God was leading me to, to give the funds and I did. And I tell you, she, it was as if she had won the lottery. She was so Overwhelmed praising and thanking God, sending me all these messages, you know God is so good, his timing is perfect, He always helps um, whenever I have a need, just rejoicing and thanking and, and praising him. she was i don't know, leaping and praising like this beggar possibly it was it was cool to to witness, and honestly, I did hardly anything. it took like two minutes to do that, but yet to to hear someone say, thank you so much. God is so good. I'm so blessed by him. I'm overwhelmed. That's something you can be a part of just as much as Peter and John. When we look to God to use us. And and as it says in verses 8 to 10 as well, you see that it says, and all the people were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So it's It's not just Peter and John who were a witness to what God did in this man's life. It says all the people around witnessed. And so a lot of times it's not, not just that person that you help that experiences God's power and goodness. It's the people around them that hear and see and are a witness to what's going on in that person's life and how they praise God for it. So you can be used far more than you even know. So when it comes to giving, remember these three points. Give generously. We're the people of God. We should be known for giving generously. Number two, give your attention. A lot of times that's what people need the most. And then give Christ. That's everyone's ultimate need. Let's watch another clip from the Acts 3.
1: While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them,
2: Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him as you can all see.
0: So picking up from verses 11 and 12, Peter says to the crowd as they gather round, why do you stare at us as if we've done anything great? And I think it's important important to really grasp what's going on here. Peter just spoke a couple words and a man started walking for the first time ever. And not just walking, he was leaping and jumping and skipping, probably doing somersaults and cartwheels and triple axles. I mean, this guy was just beside himself with excitement. And then Peter says, why are you looking at us that way as if we did anything great? I mean, that takes a lot of humility. A lot of humility. You heal a man crippled from birth and none of it goes to your head. I'm sure that, you know, the people who had gone by this man and just given him one coin felt more pride for what they did than what Peter seems to uh, be showing here. And you know, he says we, we didn't do anything. And just the fact that he says... We. He's the one who spoke. John was just standing by, but he doesn't draw any attention to himself. And so I think this is such an important lesson to learn if we want to be used by God, and that is humility. Understanding that we are nothing. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. We are powerless entirely. We are dust. It says in John 15:5, I am the vine you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. First Corinthians 4, 7, What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? In Isaiah forty seventeen, All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. Peter realized that he had absolutely no power. All the power belongs to God. He just said a few words, but 100% of the healing power that took place upon this man was all from God. We are truly weak, and that's something we need to acknowledge. An extremely important lesson to learn. Then in verses 13 to 15, Peter makes some incredible statements. I mean, look at what he says. Abraham, I mean, he's Addressing this crowd, he says, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all worshiped God, but you delivered him up. You rejected the only perfect person and then asked for a murderer instead. And then you put to death the author of life. And I'm sure no one had ever dared to speak to this crowd like this before. He made it very clear what they had done and how evil it was. But when you stop for a moment and think about this, wait a minute, this, this is actually true of anyone who doesn't follow God, who doesn't believe and acknowledge him. Right now, if you're not following God, this is true of you also. You have rejected the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the other men and women of the Bible that followed him. You have denied a perfect Savior and instead are following the worldly ways of Satan, a murderer, and you are trying to kill any thought or discussion about the author of life. If this is true of anyone in this room, please understand how serious it is. This puts you in the same company as a lot of this crowd in Acts chapter 3 that had crucified Jesus. But understand also that it doesn't need to stay like that. That can change by turning and following Christ, by faith in his name. As it talks, in, uh, says in, next, in verse 16, it says that by faith in his name, this man has been made strong. I mean, here's true power. We already mentioned that we have no power. We are nothing. We are powerless completely. But when Jesus came to this earth, even though he has infinite power, He made himself weak and he made himself so weak that he was willing to be stripped and beaten and mocked and crucified. He was willing to be a public spectacle to everyone to laugh at and to yell out as he suffered and died. But look at what's happened as a result. Look at all the power that comes from that death, that act of weakness. Now millions and millions of people have been rescued from eternal punishment through that death, through that weakness. Now he's seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father, and just by speaking his name, you see this man immediately is able to walk. There's such power in Jesus and in his name. And it all started with Jesus taking first that position of weakness and going to the cross, And becoming a human and going through all that but now so much power that god uses that for and that itself is a lesson for us because it's an example because god will powerfully use us as well he wants to use us powerfully through the work of his spirit through us in this world but it takes a lot of humility and admitting that we are weak first We have to learn to look completely to him and depend fully on him. That's what Paul, the Apostle Paul, learned. He talked about it in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. He said, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul says, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So when it comes to true power, keep in mind these points, that first, we have no power, none. Apart from God, we can do nothing. And then we see, secondly, this example in Christ that through his coming to this earth, emptying himself through that act of weakness and through the cross, so much power to save. And then, that's an example because God will do the same. God will powerfully use us when we acknowledge that we are weak. Let's look at one more video clip.
2: Now brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said the Lord your God will raise up for you A prophet like me from among your own people you must listen to everything he tells you anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people indeed all the prophets from Samuel on as many as have spoken have foretold these days and you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers he said to Abraham through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways.
0: So Peter says right there that you guys acted in ignorance. And unfortunately, this is, this is reality for us too. We do a lot of things out of ignorance. A lot of times we mess things up in life, sometimes horribly, like the people that Peter is talking to in this passage. I mean, we're all ignorant to, to some degree, and we often we make mistakes and things become a disaster. Like, like these people he's talking to, I mean, they made a complete disaster of things. They rejected their Messiah and killed the one that they had been waiting for for literally thousands of years. The only perfect person to ever walk on the earth, they murdered. Not just a human, the Son of God himself. I mean, you talk about being infinite fools. But... It says that's not the way things had to end for them. There was still hope. Look what he says next in verse 18, 21. He he says, what God foretold, he thus fulfilled. So even though they couldn't possibly have messed things up any worse, even though they couldn't possibly have offended God any more than crucifying his own son, Peter reminds them that all that had taken place happened exactly the way that God wanted it to, the way that God planned it to. God foretold all these things by the mouth of the prophets. All of this was predicted. And it was all according to God's perfect plan, just the way that it came to pass. And not only that, he says, but it was for your own good that these things happened this way. As crazy as that sounds... Because, you know, why? Because now that Jesus had taken the punishment for their sins, they could repent, be forgiven, and their sins would be blotted out. Now if they repented, they could receive the Holy Spirit, and as he said, times of refreshing would fill their life from the presence of God. And I think this is a hard lesson to learn sometimes because sometimes we mess things up. I mean, I think all of us can think in our own life Of times, we have really made big mistakes. But no matter how horrible a mistake it is that we make, no matter how much we think we have offended God by what we've done, it can't be any worse than what these people did. They murdered Jesus. To which Peter replies, even so, simply repent, turn back to God, And times of refreshing will fill your your life. I mean, that's an amazing promise from God. And then verses 22 to 24, he says, listen to him, talking about that Messiah who was predicted, that greatest of all prophets. Listen to him, Jesus, in whatever he tells you. Moses, Samuel, all the Old Testament prophets predicted and talked about when this Messiah would come to save them. And Jesus, as Messiah, like says, was greater than all the other prophets because he didn't just speak a message of truth, as he said, "I am the truth," and he didn't just predict things that would take place in the future, like some of these prophets. He controlled the future. So, listening to Jesus, it's not an option. It is. We have to take his words very, very serious. If you don't listen to him then you will be cut off. You will be destroyed, as it says. It's a very serious warning. And then finally, in verses 25 and 26, referring to God's desire for us and through Jesus, his desire is to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. And I want to finish just with this last point. When you think of the greatest blessing that you could receive from God, what do you think it would be? If you could ask God for one thing, what would you ask for? I want to share with you how one particular person answered this. I'm not sure if you know of uh, Johnny Erickson Tata, but she is a lady who is a Christian author. She's a radio host. She's 67 years old. But when she was 17, she was swimming at Chesapeake Bay. She dove in. She misjudged. The depth, and she injured her spine severely. And she was paralyzed from that point on. Never walked again. 50 years now, completely paralyzed. Very similar, actually, to the man we're talking about in Acts 3. But God had a great plan for Johnny's life, and she's been able to encourage millions of Christians through her faith, through her testimony, through all the ministries she's involved in, through her weakness, and once she was asked what she was looking forward to most about heaven, and of course everyone there was expecting that she would say, well, I'm you know, looking forward to when I'm done with this body, and I'll have a glorified body, I'll be in heaven, I won't have to worry about all this you know, physical weakness. That's not what she answered. She said instead, the greatest blessing of heaven is not that I will get rid of my weak body, but that I will get rid of my sin." She said she's most looking forward to getting rid of her spiritual weaknesses, not physical weaknesses. That's where true blessing is. She knows that she'll no longer have to struggle with any temptations. She will Anything she ever does anymore will always please the Lord. She'll have a perfect relationship with him at all times. That's the greatest life imaginable and that and she understands that and that's what Peter is saying here god wants to bless us greatly he wants to give us the abundant life but it all starts with us turning away from the sin in our life turning away from those things and turning to him that blessing that god wants to give whether we realize it or not starts with turning from sin or spiritual weakness because as you draw closer and closer to God, it's at that point that God starts to fill your heart and your life and your thoughts instead of the world around us that's already in there. We're pushing those things out and God is, and the fruit of the Spirit, the joy, the peace, the meaning, the fulfillment, the purpose, all these things. God enriches us greatly. So real life, it really has little to do with outward circumstances and it has everything to do with your inward relationship with God. So when it comes to true purpose for your life, you can try, but we're ignorant. We mess up. We make mistakes. But remember that God is in control. He's always in control. He has a plan, and he wants to bless you. He's ready to bless you, but it takes us turning away from all our sin, and the more we do, and the more we turn to him, the more our life will be filled with that blessing. God wants us all to experience this kind of giving, this type of power, and this kind of purpose. But it will never happen as long as all we give God is just you know, a quick glance here and there throughout our week. We need to learn to stop, to stare at God, to spend serious time with him. Then You know, that's the way we'll experience the the giving, the power, and the purpose that he wants us to experience. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we know that your desire for us is to fill our life with joy and peace and purpose and hope. But we also understand from Passages like this, that it requires us prying ourselves from the things of the world and the distractions and the busyness and clinging more to you, focusing more on you and living in light of the reality of you. And Lord, you will use us just as you use Peter and John. You will use us powerfully in this world to bless and to greatly be used in people's lives for your kingdom. Advance it. Lord, help us to understand our weakness. Remind us that apart from you, we're nothing, but abiding in you, that's when your power is perfected. I pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.